0: What's the last thing you did to add more fun or pleasure to your sex life? When we hear the phrase, spice things up, it might be easy to leap to the wildest depictions of sex we can think of, but turning up the heat doesn't have to mean hanging naked from a chandelier, getting super kinky, or taking part in a public orgy, especially during a pandemic. Please don't. Sometimes hotter sex means making time for a sensual massage with a partner at home, whether it's five minutes or an hour, trying out a new toy, or using one you have in a different way. It might mean finally adding lube to the mix, hint, hint, scheduling solo or partner play, or just reading a super sexy story. Other times, spicing things up involves nothing sex-specific at all. If you are stressed out or anxious or pretty tired, for example, getting more time for rest could be the key, not only for better sex and intimacy, but for a better life. Regardless, I love hearing the different ways that folks cultivate fun and pleasure in their lives and relationships. Lived experiences are such awesome teachers, and we never know what ideas someone else's might inspire for us. I recently spoke with six authors of steamy books, including several you've heard from here before, about their own favorite ways to turn up the heat, and I think you're going to really appreciate what they had to say. Later in the show, we will hear Dr. Megan Fleming's thoughts for a listener who isn't desiring sex at all lately and is feeling pretty bummed out about that. If today's episode turns you on, or you would like to get turned on or just have more fun with a new toy, lube, or other fun bedroom accessories, head to thepleasurechest.com to start shopping. If you're not sure what you want, here's what I recommend. Type the word kit, K-I-T, into the search option on the site. That'll bring you to a whole bunch of curated collections, strap-on kits, couples' toys, and even a Spicing It Up collection. So first today, we will hear from Autumn Bardot. Autumn first appeared in the Girl Boner episode on orgasm myths and erotica a few months ago. Kind of feels like years ago. She was actually one of my last in-studio guests before the pandemic lockdowns here in the U.S., In addition to penning novels, Autumn is a mother and wife and grandmother who said she's working hard to make every day count in Southern California suburbia. And she draws her spicier sex tips from personal experience in long-term relationships.
1: Well, I've been married three times. I think three is a
0: keeper. He seems like a keeper so far. It's been 20 years. Throughout those decades, Autumn has learned to really embrace flirting as a pathway to more connection and better sex. To me,
1: flirting with your man or woman or your partner is play. And people respond to play actually in every aspect, sexually, emotionally. If you can do something playfully, it's not so in your face. It's not so pressure filled. It's just relaxed and easy and i think that's why you need to take that kind of ease and relax and bring it into the dynamics of a relationship it makes it more fun
0: i asked autumn if she considers flirting a form of quote-unquote foreplay activities that help kind of rev the engine or potentially lead to sex and she said yes 100 percent
1: it tells your partner that you are open and ready, that you like them, that you want them. And I think knowing that you're wanted, not just sexually, but emotionally, like they want the whole person, that that's like a huge aphrodisiac. That's huge. Why wouldn't you want to tell your partner that you are wanted that way? So definitely that's the step of foreplay. That's the appetizer. (laughs)
0: As for how to go about flirting, Autumn pointed out that those specifics really vary depending on who it is you're flirting with.
1: Well, if you're flirting with your spouse or your significant other, it's going to be a little bit more obvious, a little bit more no-holds bar. If you're flirting at a bar, entirely different thing. Those two things would not be appropriate. You know, I can't go by a bar and smack some guy on his ass, but I can my husband. right? I can go smack his ass. I can can give him a little kiss on the cheek or touch someplace that would be inappropriate in public or, or make an innuendo that would make him laugh. Sometimes it's just like, you know, a woman shaking her shoulders, doing something super playful, as simple as you know, you're eating a banana, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. Or, or an ice cream cone or something, or even just spooning. And you look at your husband and you do that little spoon movement with him. And, and he's like, mmm, mmm, mm, that's sweet. So I think that's part of it. And it can be way more obvious because it is your significant other.
0: Dr. Megan recommends these fun flirting techniques.
2: Sort of starting with like keeping your pilot light on, this idea that you want to simmer all day long, right? You really want to seduce your partner. And so texting, sexting is a fabulous way to do that. Everything from you can't wait to later tonight and being really suggestive of what that's going to be and including maybe pictures like lingerie that you're going to wear or your new favorite sex toy. And on top of that, again, the most sexiest thing is your own confidence. So I think it's about catching a glance and holding their gaze and then putting a really big smile, maybe cocking your head a little bit and just sort of maybe giving that come hither emotion, but just sort of, again, giving that expectation of you see them, you want them, and what's about to come. No pun, or perhaps the pun (laughs) intended.
0: I love those ideas. And I really think flirting can be this sort of form of almost secret, intimate communication with your partner or partners consistently, whether that's weaving in those sexy thoughts into your text messages or sharing those I want you type smirky looks when you're out in public. All of those things add up and strengthen intimacy and make way for so much more pleasure. They just make life more fun. Megan also pointed out that flirting takes practice, and like everything, we start as beginners, so go easy on yourself if you're new and it feels a little awkward or confusing at first. Take small steps. I'll also add that even if you aren't feeling terribly confident about yourself on a particular day or, in general, lately, you can still have a ton of fun flirting with your partner, And put your confidence into that, if that makes sense. Focus on having fun and being genuine versus on doing it just right or the way that looks right for someone else. Author Lauren Emily is another returning guest. She first joined me back in February for an episode on erotica, bisexuality representation, and oral sex. During our chat the other day on Spicing Things Up, She shared the role her erotica writing has played in that department and beyond. To use a cliche word, I would say it's empowered me in every aspect
3: of my life. It's helped me to not only take more chances, but to ask more questions, be more curious, and not settle for less than what I want.
0: Building that kind of confidence is exactly how Lauren recommends spicing up your sex life and i really appreciate that she tied it into a common area of challenge be very confident in who you are i know a lot of us
3: especially women are conditioned to hate our bodies and to look for every single flaw and i've not only been guilty of that in the past i'm still guilty of that it is a very lifelong process but Just know that like, you're beautiful, you're perfect just the way you are, and you're going to have so much fun with your partner or partners. And trust me, like, they're not looking at anything you perceive as a flaw. And if they're not just happy you're here, then you got the wrong partners.
0: Lauren and I both realize that loving your body isn't an instant step. It's complicated for many of us, and it's important to know that you can experience awesome sex and tons of pleasure without feeling 100% confident about the way you look. And if you're feeling down and judging your body, you can feel a bit better in the heat of the moment and take steps to get swept into orgasmic bliss, which I personally think can really help remedy body dislike, if even for a few brief moments. Think about it. It's pretty difficult to hate on your body while you are experiencing orgasm. And every moment of that escape, that reality where your body isn't a source of self-criticism counts. If you want to set the stage for a more comfortable experience from the get-go, feel a little more confident in the skin you're in, Lauren suggests some sultry ambiance. I
3: think candlelight is awesome because Everybody looks and feels amazing. If you aren't as confident about being under like the lights on and everything's out there, I think any type of low lighting can be really, really nice. Music is also a good thing. And any type of lingerie or lack thereof or outfit that makes you feel confident and sexy, whatever that is, just wear that, embrace that. And that for me has gone a long way in the past when I'm nervous or not feeling as great about myself.
0: That reminded me of one of my own favorite sexual experiences. I had these extensions in my hair for a job back in my acting days. And even though I ended up realizing extensions are definitely not ideal for me, that particular day when they were styled so well maybe it's because they were new i i felt almost like i took on a new persona of this confident barbie like version of me but still me like i felt i felt hot during a time that i didn't feel hot so often and that confidence helped me feel so free and uninhibited that the sex i had that night was extra adventurous and super pleasure-filled. I don't think my partner at that time even noticed my different hair, but I'm pretty sure he noticed how I was feeling. I'm certainly not suggesting that anyone needs to get pricey hair changes as a hot sex tip. I just really agree with Lauren that finding something that helps us feel more free and self-secure can be so worth it as long as we don't place our value in that particular thing. Similar benefits can stem from doing work or engaging in hobbies we find meaningful or stepping away from hurtful relationships. Anything that helps us feel more authentic in our lives. Lauren also mentioned the importance of communicating about our desires versus assuming a partner is a mind reader, which is easy to do, but just not very helpful. Talking about the sex we wish to have, she said, and laughing if and when things get awkward can go a long way in diffusing any tension and making sex more enjoyable. I asked Lauren if she's ever been happily surprised by trying something new with a partner that involved open communication. The memory that came to mind for her took place during her second threesome. One of her partners brought several sex toys and asked Lauren which toy she would like that partner to use on her.
3: First of all, that was just a really lovely act in itself because this was already someone I trusted a lot, but it kind of fostered that
0: act of trust and like gave me a sense of agency. Lauren said the experience also inspired her to purchase the toy she chose. I bet she thinks fondly of that threesome when she uses that particular toy too. Sometimes looking back on sexy adventures is an adventure in itself. Author Rebecca Grace Allen had more to say about voicing our desires, specifically in dominant submissive play. Rebecca hasn't appeared on Girl Boner before, so I asked her to share a bit about her work. She told me she's been writing sexy books since 2014, and she already has eight published books as well as two more coming out yet this year and she said her decision to pursue kink-positive writing felt very natural.
4: I love writing stories that are frank and honest about sexuality, but still meaningful. I write the dirty words, because why the hell not? What is there to be ashamed of? The books I write are the happily ever after stories I loved as a child, with all the smut I love as an adult. And I guess that makes me think about one of the most rewarding aspects of what I do, It's hearing from readers who contact me and tell me they identified with the character. That the book was incredibly sexy, but also beautiful, heartfelt, and real. That's probably what I love the most. When someone tells me my books feel real. Because when it feels real, it empowers the readers to experience the same things my characters do.
0: One of Rebecca's favorite tips for spicing things up is illustrated well in her book called His Contract, In the story, the hero Jack is overcoming the loss of his spouse, and the heroine, Lily, is trying to overcome a previous relationship with an emotionally abusive dominant.
4: When writing this book, I wanted to write a different story than the kind that was prevalent at the time. Alpha whole doms and submissives just discovering their desires. Mm -mm. I wanted to write about someone who'd been familiar with the lifestyle but was scarred from it in some way, and the man who would help her find her way back to it. Jack is that man. He won't even think of beginning to play with Lily until he's sure she's comfortable and asks her to read articles on risk-aware consensual kink, as well as safe, sane, and consensual play and fill out a complete checklist. He wants her obedience, but more than that, he wants her trust. For Lily, being submissive is freedom. It's putting down the gauntlet she always carries and letting someone else take the reins for a little while, but she doesn't know how to do that until she and Jack start talking it out. So in talking dirty or negotiating, Jack would say to make sure you're both comfortable with your desires and specific too. believe it or not. It can be incredibly hot to just talk about what you're both willing to do. If you're the top or the dominant, you wanna help your submissive feel comfortable with their desires, to give them a safe space to feel powerless. If you're the submissive, think of it as an opportunity to choose your surrender and in what ways, like your birthday or Christmas, but with far more dangerous and fun toys. You can be completely dressed while doing this. You don't even have to be touching. Hell, you can be in public if you're comfortable, but the air between you will almost literally crackle. It ratchets up the underlying tension of what you're going to do even more. And it's the hottest moment for me to write because it's pure, unadulterated honesty. Negotiation scenes can happen after play as well, when you're deciding what you liked and what you didn't. Dirty talk can include setting ground rules, such as the submissive's orgasms belonging to the dominant when they're not playing together. And that's one dirty rule Jack makes sure to play out.
0: Have you noticed some themes here in all of folks' tips? Communication is basically emotional lube, and it's not always or even often an aspect of sex that comes easily. You may remember Logan Pierce from our conversation in 2018 about his career in porn, humanizing sex work and his memoir, Between the Sheets, Rise of a Working Stiff which he wrote under the pen name J.R. Verlin. During that chat, he shared that being raised Irish Catholic and going to church made it very clear to him that sex was reserved for marriage and that masturbation should be avoided at all costs. That secrecy only made him more fascinated, and porn eventually became his day job and an award-winning career, and he kept at it for eight years. One thing that struck me during the first interview was Logan's passion for writing. When I asked him which he would choose if he had to, doing porn or writing, he said, writing. Only porn was paying more bills. As of a few months ago, things in his life have really changed to better match up with those priorities, and not just because of the pandemic. In July, he wrote a poignant blog post that serves as basically his resignation letter from porn. He said he's thankful for the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity his career has provided, and that now it's time to move on.
5: I've taken a lot of uh, time off to reflect and, and really just see what's next, but in this sort of waiting period, I've been writing nonstop.
0: Well, he's not quite sure where that writing will go just yet, Logan said the process has been really cathartic, and this time has given him the chance to really reflect on relationships and intimacy as well, which is where his hotter sex tips stems from.
5: My primary advice would be to be more open-minded and receptive to constructive criticism from your partner, as well as encouraging and by association, speaking up yourself about your wants, your needs, and your boundaries. You know, things that are are very sensitive topics, things that a lot of people rarely discuss. You know, they keep it inside, and they hope that their partner will just read their mind and do what they want. And in that case, a lot of people are left unsatisfied, you know? The criticism portion, if our partner has... A specific want or need that we're not fulfilling, when they bring it up to us, I know from my past experience, I might have a tendency to be defensive about it. It's not a healthy habit to have, because A, you're, you're almost guaranteed to not fulfill those needs, and and B, you're, you're sort of shutting down your partner, and by association, uh, limiting their ability to you know, to openly speak up about a very sensitive topic that leaves people very vulnerable.
0: Logan said he learned all of this through personal experience like so many of us do and largely the hard way. He can't quite offer tried and true wisdom on how to address these challenges, he said, because he is still figuring it out for himself.
5: But I've come to realize that that's very important through my failed relationships. You know, I, I've had quite a few relationships in the past that have started off amazing. And, and they would continue that way. And then once like small issues, specifically regarding sex would arise, I wouldn't be as open as, as I might, you know, have once thought I was. Or even as I, as I might claim to be sometimes, I would become defensive. And it just wasn't a very healthy thing to do. And it would just cause a lot of issues in the relationship outside the bedroom too. Your sex life is an extension of everything else. So if you're unfulfilled sexually, you know, it can come out in other ways. And with a relationship, it's just, it's a tough thing to navigate. You know, your partner should be someone who you can confide in, who's willing to offer the things that, that you personally need. And if they're not willing to do that, then, you know, the relationship most likely will not work out.
0: Not only that, Logan said, but the flip side of that is really positive and might be just the thing to not only bring more heat and pleasure to your sex life, but salvage and benefit your relationship in some pretty awesome ways.
5: If your partner is satisfied, you will be satisfied. I mean, at least in my life, I find that I usually get a lot of satisfaction out of making people happy. And once again, your partner is is the closest person to you. That's that's the person you love, the person you wanted to give everything to. So if you can make them happy, it will bring happiness into your in your life as well. But like I said earlier, that's an ongoing struggle for me. And due to COVID and everything, well, my last relationship ended essentially at the start of twenty twenty and I haven't had sex in my private life since then so it's hard to really put all this into practice but I've had a lot of time away from a relationship to really reflect on it and that's where I've sort of come to this realization that you need to be more receptive I need to be more receptive we could all benefit from being more receptive and more encouraging of other people's voices and once again their wants needs and boundaries three very important things boundaries especially which are very hard to discuss, but moving forward, I I would like to just encourage that from my future partners.
0: That kind of self-reflection is really important, as are those steps Logan recommended about communicating our wants and our needs and encouraging the same in a partner. And I promise you, if the idea of talking openly about sex feels a little intimidating, it does get easier. It can even get to be pretty fun. Next, we'll hear from Kit Crescendo. I first interviewed Kit when Girl Boner was basically a toddler. I kind of love that weird imagery, by the way. Kit was also one of the first sex bloggers I knew of when I started writing in this space. She has since written the Wild Side book series and specializes in penning sexual fantasies featuring more than two people, something she saves for the page and really enjoys thinking about. When we connected the other day, Kit told me that a failure in her professional life, losing a job she had had for a number of years, prompted her to pursue erotic writing. Even before she went pro, though, she had fans.
6: I'd write these shorts and I'd show them to my husband who, awkwardly enough, had one time shown his brother who thought, well, this is really hot. And I'm like, okay. I was working for a wireless company, been there for nine years. I remember one of my bosses pulling me outside. I think I was burnt out a little bit because they didn't really have a respect for my work-life balance, and I spent a lot of time working. And she said, you know, what would you do if you wouldn't do this? I said, you know, I'd probably write erotica and erotic romance. And she looked at me, and she goes, wait. Are you kidding me? (laughs) She's like, aren't you religious? What about like Mary Kay?
0: (laughs) That's another thing I appreciate about Kit. She shows that you can shamelessly embrace religion and kink at the same time. She told me she believes sexual empowerment and sexual pleasure are God given rights. And if you want to draw more of that pleasure into your sex life, she recommends mutual masturbation which I sometimes call side-by-side solo play. And it's exactly what it sounds like. You and a partner playing with yourselves together. Whether you use just your hands or toys, stand face-to-face or lay side-by-side, it can be incredibly hot. You can also play and watch the both of you in a wall mirror. Here's what Kit loves about the practice.
6: Partners have different things that actually trigger them to be excited. And I found that when mutual masturbation is at play, there's a psychological side to that, but there's also the visual. It it gives you a show, you know, and you're also working together towards an end goal that's totally spicy. You also find out what pleases your partner if you're paying close attention. So sometimes things you wouldn't think or areas that may not occur to you to be more gentle or a little rougher, you know, that gets shown when they're touching themselves. So giving each other the visual, talking it out, hearing the the feedback immediately, and seeing that you excite your partner. You know, that's the other thing is it tells you, hey, you're sexy to me, and this is what you do to me. And that sometimes is missing, you know, and, and it feels like a chore for some people. So when you can put it in that perspective, I think that's just terrific, amazing.
0: I also love that you can play this way remotely while you're on speakerphone together or using an app like FaceTime. Mutual solo play can also provide a great form of birth control during ovulation if you menstruate and track your cycle for that. And it's of course a very safe form of sex as far as guarding against STIs and other viruses like a cold. Lastly today, we'll hear from Rachel Kramer-Bussell, an author, columnist, and editor Who specializes in erotica. You've probably heard me mention her as the editor of the Best Women's Erotica Anthology series I so often recommend. She also appeared on the show back in 2015 to explore her career and tips for writing erotica. When we caught up the other day, Rachel told me that she began reading erotica during college over two decades ago. And from the start, It influenced her sexuality.
7: At the beginning, I think I just got a lot of, not
0: so much specific
7: ideas, okay, I want to try this thing, but more ideas and just just thinking about sex a lot and thinking about not always when I was having sex or when I was on a date, but other times as well. I think it just got me in that mindset of, oh, maybe I could try this or maybe I could try that. At the time I started reading Erotica, I was also... A little bit after that, I also was exploring sex toys for the first time. So there was a lot of things to explore. And then I would say over time through reading erotica, it really just opened my mind to a lot of the variety of sexuality. Things like, you know, different types of fetishes, just different sex positions and different ways people talk to each other about sex.
0: Rachel said that some of those ideas she has specifically incorporated into her sex life. Like, that sounds interesting, why not try it? In subtler ways, reading in the genre has helped her become more open-minded about the range of expressions of sexuality. She said it's taught her that nothing is off-limits to talk about, both for her and her partners. Creating space for that is important, she said, Because sometimes, if we don't actively ask questions about desires, we won't learn important information.
7: It's not always that someone's ashamed to share it. It's that maybe they haven't thought about it either.
0: If you are new to exploring erotica or to using it to spice up your sex life, Rachel recommends enjoying it on your own first to see what turns you on, what doesn't turn you on, and what you're curious about. If you want to play at the same time, you may especially enjoy audio erotica, which frees up your hands. Rachel said she sees why this is a favorite for so many folks.
7: They can really close their eyes and just picture the story being told and see what comes to mind for them. And I think then you can start bringing a partner or partners into it you could either say oh okay i really enjoyed this i want to see what you think or let's listen to this together i think the biggest thing is you you want to create a safe space for both of you to or however many of you there are to share your thoughts feelings i feel like erotica is is a starting point yes the story or novel whatever you're reading has a beginning and end, but you are free to insert your own fantasies and feelings into it. You know, you you can pause it. You could also read to each other. You can really make it your own thing.
0: Rachel added that erotica can also help take the pressure off. Say you are intrigued by an activity, but not quite sure if you want to try it yet or how a partner feels about it. You can share the erotica and say, what do you think about this versus going into detail when you're not sure
7: and the other person might maybe they're into it maybe they're not but i think erotica also just gives it a context it's not like okay spanking which could mean you know there's so many different ways that that would look like so many different types of spanking and positions and implements in in erotica there might be one specific path but that might spark something for one or both of you so i think it can really be a way to start those conversations. At the very least, you know someone else is thinking about it because they wrote about it.
0: If you do delve into some erotica that doesn't do it for you, Rachel assures us all that that is okay. It might even be helpful. We can learn just as much from what turns us on or feels good as from what doesn't. Also, you don't have to use erotica as an instruction manual of sorts. In some cases, that's not even possible. And even when it is, you might not want to act on particular fantasies that are fun to imagine or talk about.
7: Some of the things that might turn us on in fantasy and in erotica, they don't always mean we want to try them out. We might just enjoy the fantasy of it. You know, we might enjoy the the dirty talk of it or the just the scenarios and that might fuel our own desire but you know you you could continue that as like your own role play in your relationship something that took me a little while to figure out is that you might have a fantasy discussion with your partner that doesn't always mean that you're literally planning the fantasy you can be sort of fantasizing about the fantasy you know
0: Another thing I love that Rachel pointed out was that like so many things people consider foreplay, the thing that leads directly to certain types of sex, erotica can be its own thing, an entire intimate and sexual activity to enjoy without any expectations or goals around what might happen after. And staying open in that way can prevent pointless disappointment and lead to some fun surprises later.
7: can't always know what listening to or reading erotica will do for our minds. And sometimes it can take a little while. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, I know a lot of couples listen to erotica together or read it together and that can be its own activity. You know, it doesn't always have to be about trying to find something, but you also might surprise yourself and find some nugget in there that, does spark something for you, but you know, you might read a spanking story and then think, oh, I want to try, you know, hot wax or something like, I don't know, it might, it might cause an idea to form that isn't necessarily what you thought it would be going into it. To me, that's the beauty of just humanity and human sexuality that you can't always predict what someone else will think, even if they're your partner, even if they're your long-term partner. I think that's why it's important to really make it clear that you just want to try something together and and see what happens. You're not hovering over them waiting for a book report.
0: (laughs) For Beginners to Erotica, Rachel recommends the book she edited called The Big Book of Orgasms, 69 Sexy Stories. It includes a wide range of stories. Some are funny, some are serious, some involve first time hookups, others involve long time couples. And remember what she said about certain activities not potentially being possible? One of Rachel's favorite stories from the book is exactly that it's a sci fi story called Remote Control. A
7: couple discovers this remote control that you can change your hair color. You can change things in your house. You can change your gender. And it's kind of amazing because it just gives them free reign to try all these things that they had never even contemplated
0: before. That right there is probably one of the coolest things about spicy stories. Find a link to the Big Book of Orgasms and to works by all the other guests from today in the show notes. We'll wrap up with this week's listener question. What to do when your libido goes MIA? And you're not so happy about that. It came from KS who wrote this. I feel so blah in life lately and I think that has extended into sex. My partner is a lot more interested in sex than I am and I feel bad for not feeling excited. I know I could do things to make myself get somewhat excited, but to be honest, I'm having trouble even getting motivated for that. I talked to my girlfriend about it a little bit, and she took it pretty well. She seemed sad, but also supportive. Still, I feel like not myself, and it's starting to feel like not a temporary thing. KS, I promise you, you are not alone, and I am so happy that you wrote in. Here is what Dr. Megan Fleming had to say.
2: KS, thanks so much for your question. And first of all, I want to just say that... You know, this has been a really trying time. We're six, almost seven months into quarantine and sort of our lives being turned upside down. And so mental health in terms of depression, anxiety, so many individuals like yourself are not feeling like themselves. So I first just want to normalize that and certainly put in the context of not being able to go to work, not being in our daily routines. The uncertainty, I mean, we certainly know this from research that the unknown is actually more stressful than knowing something bad's going to happen. And so, the first thing I want you to do is just have compassion for yourself and understand, like, hmm, what's making sense about why you're kind of feeling blah lately. But the mere fact, because I don't know how long it's been going on, I also don't know how long your relationship is, but that first of all, great that you already have spoken to your partner because mismatch levels of sexual desire is incredibly common. And I think having a shared language about that you know, sort of making the implicit explicit and saying, I really, I'm aware, right? That I'm not sort of feeling as turned on, as interested in sex. um, And we're not having sex as frequently as we have. And so I just want you to know, it's on my mind and I'm thinking about it, but I'm like kind of going through the situation and I'm not really feeling like myself. Explain to her more about what is happening and what's going on and building that connection. The fact that you just sort of say, doesn't feel like a temporary thing. I'm always looking for what I call warning signs and flags. And so I would say, Cass, that is really a flag to say you might really want to be talking to a professional. I definitely got the sense from your saying that it didn't feel like it's temporary, that there'd be a lot of benefit to reaching out to a qualified therapist. And because sexuality is implicated in this, And lower desire, again, is certainly a symptom of depression and many other aspects of mental health. It certainly can't hurt to meet with a therapist who's also qualified and certified as a sex therapist. I'm so glad that you're even looking into this, realizing that, you know, our sex life and our level of libido, it changes throughout sort of the lifespan. And there are many different times it takes a dip, but it's most important to understand how and why it's taking a dip for you now. Could it be something endocrine? Could it be your thyroid? Could it be what's going on in your relationship? Could it be COVID? I mean, there's just so, so many reasons. And I think the most important thing is just to realize, you know, as you indicated, sure, the things you can be doing, but perhaps maybe the most important thing to do is to be checking in with a professional and really looking at your overall mental health and well-being, and then specifically how that might be tying into your libido and sexuality. So as always, would love to hear how it goes.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I love her points about giving yourself compassion, KS, and knowing that it's normal to not want as much sex right now. It's normal for your sex drive, all of our sex drives, to ebb and flow and change. And that looking at the whole picture, that sort of life blah you talked about is the most important thing. I also think it's important to know that you don't have to desire sex. It's completely natural to miss wanting it. And I don't want to take away from that. And I think pleasure should be a priority. I think that sexual pleasure, wanting sexual pleasure and having sexual desire, totally wonderful goals and values to have. I also know that we live in a culture that is full of these messages that say you should be having this much sex this often. And it's a very performance-based culture. But that's not how sexuality is. It's not a performance. It is meeting ourselves where we are, taking care of ourselves, and when we wish to, sharing our sexuality with a partner or partners. So I'm just sending you so much love and empathy and support as much as I can through the airwaves here. And I do hope you'll let us know how it goes. If any of you have questions for Dr. Megan or for me, please reach out to us. You can also get a free gift from Dr. Megan, speaking of pleasure and spicing things up. To receive Clitoral Play, Seven Techniques for Mind-Blowing Pleasure, and Occasional Hot Sex Tips from Megan, text the word DESIRE to 66866. That's DESIRE to 66866. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening. I'd also so appreciate a rating and review. For Girl Boner-related news, fun surveys, and special discount codes by email from me about once a month, sign up at girlboner.org. This episode was hosted and produced by me, August McLaughlin, with audio management by Mackenzie Mizell, the founder of The Period Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.